0: Good morning. It's a beautiful Sunday in the old Pueblo. You're listening to KTDT Tucson. Thank you for spending a part of your brunch hour with us on your downtown Tucson community-sponsored rock and roll radio station. On this week's show, we're going to talk with Monique Valerie, the Chief Operations Officer of the Fourth Avenue Merchants Association. With over a hundred years behind them, the historic Fourth Avenue gears up for a post-pandemic recovery and looks at some new economic development. Today is July 23rd. My name is Tom Heath, and you're listening to Life Along the Streetcar. Each and every Sunday, our focus is on social, cultural, and economic impacts in Tucson's urban core, and we shed light on hidden gems everyone should know about. From A-Mountain to U-Arizona, and all stops in between, you get the inside track right here on 99.1FM. Streaming on downtownradio.org, also available on your iPhone or Android by going to your respective app store and downloading Downtown Radio Tucson, and you can take us wherever you go. If you want to get a hold of us on the show, we have an email address, contact at lifealongthestreetcar.org. You can interact with us on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Instagram. We have all of our past episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also find them on our website, lifealongthestreetcar.org, or simply ask your smart speaker to play Life Along the Streetcar podcast. Try to make it easy for you to find us. We're going to start today with a free trip to some fun events. Through December of 2021, the streetcar is free. This was a response to the COVID pandemic last year, and a few, not too long ago, the city of Tucson announced that they will keep ridership for free on the streetcar. That uh, does uh, They do want you to wear masks on the public transportation, but the ride itself is of no cost. And as a reminder, that can get you all the way from the Mercado, downtown, 4th Avenue, over through University and Main Gate Square. It can even take you onto the University of Arizona campus, just north of Speedway and head on back downtown for a show called Life Along the Streetcar. We don't talk about the streetcar very much because we're really more about the life along the streetcar and not just the ride along those tracks. But I think it's a good idea to uh, take a ride and explore your urban core, maybe make a day of it. And as we get into the fall, check out those calendars. Last week, we talked about Friday Night Jazz over in Main Gate. There's concerts happening now in uh, several places and the Tucson core. And the big arenas like the Rialto and Fox Theater are gearing up for some late summer uh, concerts and events. I think you're going to start seeing activity in those buildings uh, in just a few weeks. And some big names coming back to Tucson in September and October. So hitch a ride in the streetcar. Grab a little food, do a little shopping, see some shows, and almost pretend like life is a little bit normal. Well, someplace where life uh, is getting back to normal is on the historic 4th Avenue. And uh, we have on our show today an interview we, we recorded just a couple days ago with Monique Valerie. She's the Chief Operations Officer of the 4th Avenue Merchants Association. They do a lot to maintain the cleanliness and safety of 4th Avenue. They're also the organization behind the fabulous spring and winter street fairs and i know everyone's got some questions about whether that's going to happen and uh, we put that question to monique and you're going to hear her answer in just a few minutes as we uh, dig into the last hundred years of fourth avenue and what we can expect here in the near future
1: monique Valerie, and i am the coo and creative director for the fourth avenue merchants association
0: how long have you been in this role
1: I've been with FAMA for uh, five years going on. So it's it's changed a little bit. My role's changed a little bit over the five years. Um, started out as the event director and uh, main responsibility was pretty much overseeing at that point uh, close to 22 events a year. The two biggest being both the winter and spring street fair. Okay. And then over this last uh, year and a half through the pandemic, the role's changed a little bit. Um, we went from six full-time staff down to two staff. So <laughs> we've combined some roles.
2: Can
0: you talk a little bit about the history and, and why it is the historic 4th Avenue?
1: So 4th Avenue is, uh, as a locally owned business district, um, two and a half years ago we actually received our historic designation uh, for an actual business district. And we have over 140 locally owned businesses uh, businesses and restaurants on the Avenue and the district itself is tucked in between downtown and main gate. And, um, again, I think what one of the things that makes it so special is it is locally owned. These are mom and pop stores. These aren't huge franchises. Um, These are truly our neighbors and our best friends who are running, um, and managing, uh, these businesses and restaurants down here in this definitely very unique, uh, unique atmosphere for sure
0: yeah, and you're and you're tucked away not tucked away but you're you've got neighborhoods that surround you so you, you seem to have you know if you look at like downtown there's although it's a growing population there's less uh, actual residents maybe than, than right around you on Fourth Avenue I think that makes it a little bit um, more frequented by the, the local population
1: yeah we have three main historic neighborhoods that really encompass uh, the Avenue and the district itself we've got the iron Horse. Iron Horse Neighborhood Association, West University Neighborhood Association, and Pye Allen. And I think what's really cool about these neighborhoods is um, most of them are are historic houses themselves. Um, And um, I think it's really cool to know that, you know, there's three really active neighborhood associations as well. Um, The neighbors pride themselves in being in this really um, unique business district in the heart of, of Tucson and this is where they literally live and play. Um, but the architecture down here is, is historic. Um, I know both Iron Horse and WUNA, uh, the West University, um, we're working on some, some opportunities with them where there'll be like a walking uh, historic house tour. Um, hmm. So I think they, they really um, pride themselves and are a big part of the district itself. And, and for 4th Avenue Merchants Association, we partner with our neighborhood associations for the street fairs um, as well as other things because we know it's vital. I mean, they are the intricate part of, of who we are as a district and who's surrounding us.
0: Well, I, I do want to talk about the street fairs, and that's a question a lot of folks have, but before we get to that, a little bit more on the history because this, this district, um, it's, what, 105, 110 years old at this point, it was in the early 1900s that it was really um, came into being as a shopping district?
1: Yeah, our, actually, our office, we sit right off uh, the avenue. We're on 3rd. Our office uh, is a little haunted house that was built in the 1890s, and we've gotten a lot of cool history about it. But, yeah, the district itself and some of the buildings, um, you know, have either uh, or are denoted as histi- historic or collaborative, um, you know, or, um, and. And so I think the district itself has seen seen a lot of changes, but you haven't seen much many changes with the buildings themselves. Um, also with being historic, it's a challenge to get any new architectural done because you don't want to disturb anything that's historic. Um, the Merchants Association ourselves have been around since the early 80s where the businesses down on the avenue came together um, and the local business owners actually... Were the ones as volunteers that started uh, the business association Fama to help support them, um, which also kicked off uh, some of the first street fairs, uh, more than fifty fifty shows ago, fifty years ago.
0: Yeah, some of these businesses, um, who's been there the longest? Do you know that uh, offhand?
1: Yes. So Bill from the Shanty, uh, the Shanty has one of the longest uh, liquor license around. Um, so the shanty's been in business for over eighty years. Caruso's Italian is right up there as well. Um, so the, both of those businesses have been uh, probably two of the most uh, you know and they're they're over eighty years uh, both of them uh, on the Avenue. Um, everybody has a connection to something down here. Yeah, you your favorite restaurant, or or oftentimes, especially when we see you know um, you know the, the homecoming weekends on campus or you see parents bringing their kids back to back to school Um, you see folks walking down here and they remember the bars that they used to frequent when they were here or some of their favorite restaurants and the tried and true so i think you know the avenue itself just has that connection and i think the other thing is um, there aren't too many restaurants or stores on the avenue that you could move somewhere else right that they fit on the avenue just the feel and and the connection and the staff, it, it makes sense down here.
0: Yeah, I remember when the the controversy of Chocolate Iguana getting moved from that corner, but they stayed on fourth.
1: Part of that, which I don't think a lot of people know, that another business owner and merchant, instead of where Chocolate Iguana as a local coffee shop and a really uh, eclectic uh, candy store, if you will, um, they would have gone away. But another business that was separate from them... Um, made it work and it was able to put them in a different location and i think you see that a lot down here with with the merchants in the business um, a lot of these folks have been around for 10 15 30 40 50 years so um you know our, our merchants always want to try to rally and help each other even even though they're all trying to run their independent businesses they know it's it's all for the greater good down here
0: so you've got, you've got this historical um, perspective and I think that's what 4th Avenue is known for, that very specific vibe. But now you start to see um, a little bit of growth in the area. You've had some student housing not too far away and now uh, the, a big project just nearing completion, uh, the union, uh, on the right there in the corner. Um, how is that fitting in or, or what are your thoughts on thats that? Is that a, um, I know they've worked with historic uh, coalition on uh, on some nice improvements, but what are your general thoughts about that? If if you can share,
1: at first it was challenging. It was hard because it was just it you know how is this going to fit truly in the heart of the avenue? I mean, you can't be more in the heart of the avenue than at Fourth and Sixth, and all of a sudden you have this huge building going up. But but again, I give um, I give a lot of credit to both the building company and the, the property managers that they've really tried to honor and and took into account. Um, you know the Avenue stakeholders, and and even with some of the design concepts and and some of those other things. So, um, you know, and, uh, it's here and it's a beautiful building. So hopefully, uh, folks who uh, decide to live in it will be good um, good residents of the Avenue.
0: You know, we we haven't had a chance to speak with uh, the development team there yet, but I would imagine the fact that they came into um, a helpful and and environment and an organized environment, so that they weren't having multiple conversations with a variety of groups that that the neighbors, the merchants, the business owners sort of came together through the another entity, not the not the Merchants Association, but the historical um, group to to provide consolidated input. I would imagine from a developer standpoint that made it a lot easier for them uh, to navigate this and, and want to be a part of of that process. Yeah, and
1: actually the, the original neg- negotiation started with, with the merchants association and then we went ahead and wanted to step aside and hvac came in and i think to your point what's important is you know there are different different groups down here there's different neighborhood associations we all may have different you know um, missions but the ultimate goal is the same everybody wants what's best for the avenue itself and we may have different um again different missions and different needs to fulfill But the bottom line is the goal is the same. Um, Everybody wants the businesses and the residents that are down and around the avenue to to be successful um, and to be safe and to thrive. So, uh, you know, we may take different roads to get there, but the ultimate uh, end result is the same. We all want want to see 4th Avenue be healthy and successful. And uh, we want our guests Uh, Rather, you know, they're a local who comes down here every week or it's our out-of-town guests. We want them to have a great experience um, while they're here.
0: Well, I have had a great experience while on 4th Avenue. hope you have as well. And we'll be back to finish up our interview with the Chief Operating Officer of the 4th Avenue Merchants Association, Monique Valerie, in just a moment. And um, I first want to remind you that you are listening to Life Along the Streetcar on Downtown Radio 99.1 FM and streaming on downtownradio.org. Hope you get a chance to tune in tomorrow morning to Paleo Dave. We're going to get back to our interview with Monique. Valerie from the 4th Avenue Merchants Association and uh, find out the big question on everyone's mind are we going to have a winter 4th Avenue Street Fair you know the the universal challenge that uh, that hit hit the um, hit the entrepreneur world with COVID how do you see that playing out at this point are we in a recovery mode or do we have a long way to go What's what's your thoughts on that
1: yeah, I mean it. It, it's, it was rough. Um, it was rough for everyone, and, and I think um, you know I think we have started over this past year and a half. We saw a lot of our businesses um, do what they've always done, which is adapt. Um, nobody likes change, but when we are forced into such a dramatic change, um, we saw our businesses figure out how to do that. Um, we have a handful of businesses that were really, really already social media and tech savvy um and so they had a little bit of a head start on adapting and and adjusting their business model especially early on um and for our other businesses you know it took them a little time but we're able to maybe now you know figure out how to have a better social media presence and how to use and incorporate their websites and that was really more for retail um our bars and restaurants our bars. were especially hit hard because there really was no no options for them, um, very very limited options. Um, our restaurants, you know, adapted to try to do takeouts for a while. So I think what we saw over the last year and a half was was all of our businesses trying to adapt to what fit best for them, and and overall I think um, it was successful in, in what it could be, um, you know. They've had, honestly, just a, a hell of a time. Um, and I think, you know, we've had moments where we're starting, you know, we're hoping to start to, to kind of turn that corner to, to, to see if we'd start coming out on the other side and, and hopefully that corner will still keep turning. Um, it is a little scary now seeing some of these other, you know, these other variances and, and is this going to happen again? So that's kind of the rumble right now. Like, you know, people finally thought, okay, we kind of have our feet back down on the ground. Um, but now it's, it's the fear is creeping back in. Um, you know, we've had, in a given year, we have five to six businesses, you know, turnover wise. Um, so during COVID, we had, we had seven businesses closed, but we had six open. And so it would be hard to say that those seven closed just because of COVID. I mean, it might've been a final straw. It might've been, you know, lots of different reasons, but that's that's kind of normal, can be normal turnover for us. Um, you know, so it's it's hard to say, but I think the the businesses have tried to, um, tried to be as resilient as they could, but I, I don't think anybody feels like, man, we're, you know, we're out of it and, and, and we're back on solid ground. Um, but I think they're, you know, they're slowly, slowly trying to get their feedback underneath them.
0: Well, and, and this is airing on July 25th, last Sunday of July. And I'm going to fast forward to the winter and, you know, given all the uncertainty, the hope that you just shared, but also that the, the uncertainty and some of the concerns. Um, tell us a little bit about the, the winter uh, street fair. I know that's one on everyone's mind If if we're going to be seeing that and, and what that might look like um, if it does come back or when it does come back
1: right we are we are moving forward um and and fully optimistic and hopeful um but we've been that way for a year and a half um (laughs) so our our we are moving forward as if the street fair uh will be happening december 10th 11th and 12th um we've got you know we've got 300 artists who are and to go, our food vendors. Um, so ultimately, um, like anything, it will come down to the city and the county giving final approvals. Um, but again, we are planning and working towards uh, the street fair in December, um, at which point it will be our 51st winter street fair. And it would be actually, um, ultimately what becomes the 100th show overall. Um, so, you know, I think that also says something about the community's love of the show. The fact that we could have 99 of these, um, in the past, you know, it's, it's the oldest event in Tucson. Um, the street fair is older than rodeo and, and, some of the other, um, what I would call kind of legacy events. And, um, I think the fact that we can still get, you know, artists traveling in from all over the world, um pandemic at least you know we had artists coming in from all over the world we have you know guests who want to come out to the show and the fact that again we could have 99 prior to this um you know i think really shows um the you know the community's love of it um and so we are we are optimistically moving forward um again ultimately it will come down to um the city and county's final approval process um but you know I I guess it's um, that's what we're moving forward to and I think I think the community as a whole wants to get back to you know some semblance of normalcy whatever that may look like I don't think we're ever going to go back to whatever normal was before and that's okay but I think people want to get back to to doing things and, and seeing old friends and You know, we have people who, um, you know, we have artists who've done this show. We have a family. Um, We have a family that's a multi-generational family. And, you know, he, the Glessiers, Brian's now in his uh, 50s, and he used to do this show with his dad, and now he's bringing his kid. Um, You know, and these are vendors who've been in the show for, you know, we've got vendors who've been in, um, you know, 30, 40 shows, Um, and so I think people are are excited to have it back, we're excited to have it back, and we need it, to be quite honest, the the avenue needs it, it is um, for the Merchants Association, 99% 99% of our revenue comes from street fairs. <laughs> so it's been, hard, it's been a hard year and a half for us as well. And, and, and ultimately, the services, some of the services we're able to provide our businesses have been dramatically impacted by us not being able to, to have the street fairs. I partner with 16 different nonprofits. To also help, one, the nonprofit, which I don't think people will totally realize as well, but like our mission with FAMA is not just about the avenue. So, our partnership with like to put on the street fair and having 16 nonprofit organizations um, help support us, they bring us volunteers and in turn we make a contribution back to their mission. So, we're also trying to help the community at large as well.
0: Well, here is to all of those good thoughts and the planning that's happening uh, at many levels to keep it. Active and, and to keep it it keep it safe. Well, Monique Valerie, Chief Operating Officer for the Fourth Avenue Merchants Association, uh, I appreciate all that you've been doing over the last five years and especially the last year and a half to keep that district in a, a very um, uh, positive, forward-moving direction. And uh, I look forward to uh, catching up and uh, talking to you about the uh, street fair as we get closer to December.
1: Great, we appreciate it. And uh, again, we're ready to to welcome our community
0: back down to our beloved avenue back down to the beloved fourth avenue lots going on and uh i think just as with the rest of the urban core very bright future and excited to hear of uh monique's enthusiasm as she shepherds that organization into the next iteration of the fourth avenue experience My name is Tom Heath, and you are listening to Life Along the Streetcar on Downtown Radio, 99.1 FM, and streaming on downtownradio.org. I got my swag on. I got my uh, Downtown Radio coffee mug and uh, some other cool things from the website there. And while you're on the website, don't forget to check out our fabulous lineup of DJs. I'm sure you've known since... uh, the end of June, the studio has been open again, and with uh, many safety precautions in place, the volunteer DJs are flooding back to the studios and some of those shows that we uh, had to put on hiatus during the COVID pandemic, because uh, some, for many reasons, were not able to broadcast remotely. We uh, excited to have them back, some faces and names that uh, just haven't seen in a while. So check out that lineup on downtownradio.org. And for those of you that were expecting a little different show today, we had uh, last week indicated that we were going to have members of uh, the Shish Show, which is a, a group of individuals that support d- downtown and the urban core through um, a scooter voyages, where they spend a little money and have a little fun. Uh, Something came up with that interview, and we weren't able to schedule it, but we uh, we will get them back on the books because it's a it's an interesting story and folks uh, finding very fun ways to support our urban core. And speaking of topics. What do you want to hear? What do you want to know? What's going on out there? What are we missing? We need your input. Hit us up on our Facebook page. Share something that you like on our page. Maybe share something we're doing to someone else. Uh, Hit us up on our email address, contact at lifealongthestreetcar.org. It doesn't really matter how you get a hold of us. Just continue to tell us the stories that you want us to share, and uh, we would be glad to do so. And if you're doing something great in our community again tag us in your posts and we'll make sure that we share that information out there with you as well we're going to leave you with a little music today from a gentleman named john j coinman i think he's actually out of new mexico but i heard this song i thought man this is a perfect wrap-up for today's show it's not quite fourth avenue but it's a it's going to be a song about the buffet and empire market down there on ninth ninth uh ninth street so it's from a 1998 album called a a Man Called Someone. The song is Old Town. Have a great week and tune in next Sunday for more Life Along the Streetcar.
2: There's a bar down on 9th Street. They call the buffet. It's open every night, open every day. There's a sign out front in a mural. and beer at night, there's a pool table in the corner underneath a fake Tiffany light, and if you college kids know where it is down in the neighborhood where nobody could. Down the street They got wooden floors and coolers From 1893 And the ceiling fans Run all summer long And if you're looking for tortillas Man, they got the best No little Sonoran peppers Burn a hole right through your chest got a pocket full of pennies down